0: Horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy.
1: All right. We're back in the saddle for another edition of Winning Ponies. Welcome, everybody. I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend and didn't have to labor too much. Uh, Thank you very much for all the cards, letters, and gifts that you sent me on my birthday. It was greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, Well, this evening, what have we for you? Well, uh, yes, Saratoga is a thing of the past for 2021, but, hey, there's nothing wrong with reminiscing, and we're going to bring in one of the triumphant, the Clancy brothers and Tom Law. We've had Sean Clancy on the show before. We're going to have Joe Clancy on this evening, who's deputized for Tom Law. Usually we make it a annual tradition where Tom does the season-long wrap-up and gives us his uh, best of the summer picks. But he went camping somewhere in Vermont and— uh, All of a sudden found out there's no cell phone usage up there, (laughs) no power, so no bars. So Joe's jumping in for him. He'll do a great job. And it's the Joe and Joe show, as uh, my producer Josh said. Joe Christofek will be with us. And Joe, for years, has been involved with making odds down at Kentucky Downs, probably the hardest Odds maker job in all of America. So he's been there and done that. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Just an amazing track, Kentucky Downs, all turf. They have been blessed with marvelous weather. And it looks like it's going to go right through this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Stakes galore. But Saturday is going to be something else. It's even going to get some national television broadcast. Um, I know for sure. How about this? Two million dollar races and not one of them is a grade one. We're talking about the grade two Calumet Turf Cup. That one's going a mile and a half on their pear shaped track. And then uh, just previous to that is the FanDuel Turf Sprint from six furlongs. So we're going from six furlongs to a mile and a half, both of them worth a million dollars. And after that, we get to the cheap races. That's right. The uh, ladies turf only 750,000, the Franklin Simpson, 600,000. Also at 600,000, the mint lady sprint. Oh my God. So Give out the money, and they will come, and they have come. And what's interesting about this weekend, folks, it'll be fun to watch, Uh, aside from Joel Rosario, who had two sensational days, five wins each day. Unbelievable at Kentucky Downs with those purses. But we're also going to see the other riders from Saratoga are in town. So we're going to see that uh, Joel's going to have a little bit of company Uh, from guys like Flavian and Pratt. And uh, how about Louis Sayas is going to be riding there. We'll see how he handles the undulating turf course there in Franklin, Kentucky at Kentucky Downs. So that's the lay of the land, as they say, for this evening's show. And uh, let's remember, folks, With all of these horses shipping in for Kentucky Downs, as good as Joe is as a handicapper, and I'll give you my best bets, you'll want to go to those easy wind forms. We got wins from coast to coast. Closing out the Saratoga meet. Uh, We uh, had a 50 cent pick five that paid one thousand five hundred and sixty. Not bad for 50 cents, huh? Well, how about 10 cents at Indiana Grand Uh, the following day? A super high five that paid one thousand three hundred and ninety three and parks just yesterday, a 50 cent pick five. 1,754. That's not chump change, ladies and gentlemen. Come on over to winningponies.com. You'll like the site. And you get to check out not only the site, the results that we're giving you out of the easy win form, forms, but a way that you can get them. They're relatively uh, inexpensive, and look at what the payoffs give you. So, Joe and Joe will be coming up. All right, let's take a look at uh, one thing that uh, was not good news, and that is... Dr. J. David Richardson, uh, claimed by COVID-19. He used to love spending the summers up at Saratoga. Uh, He was Kentucky-based, but uh, you got to love the guy. Uh, Started out. Uh, going to the races at little old River Downs when he used to sneak in as a kid. But this guy, I mean, a distinguished uh, surgeon, Uh, I won't even go into his resume, but this guy was so respected by those in the medical industry. And then about 30 years ago, he started breeding and racing horses and uh, had success at that level i would say the most success though that uh, david richardson had was the respect that he had from others in racing um he was just uh A wonderful man to be around. He was upbeat. He loved racing at all levels. He loved to bet the horses. Nothing wrong with that. I had a chance to meet him not once, but twice. And both times were at uh, River Downs. Actually, the last time it was called Belterra Park. Tommy Drury was uh, training for him. And the time before that, uh, I, was interest, I was introduced to him by Pat Dupey, and Pat was training for Dr. Richardson. Just so well-respected, just an amazing guy, graduated from Moorhead State, um, and uh, he just had such an impact on so many people uh, th- that he had contact with. He's uh, truly going to be uh, missed, and he was... Uh, related, believe it or not, to Woody Stevens, one of the things that uh, got him uh interested. He called him Uncle uh Woody, but he was uh Richardson's father's cousin. But hey, it's all one and the same down there in Kentucky, right? But he will be missed. Uh so uh Dr. Richardson, a big impact his life had on thoroughbred racing and those around him most importantly. Well closing out the Saratoga meet, who finished on top? Well Let's go back and look at the season. Remember, early on, we had the, the trying weather with all the rains in July. And then we had the hot, humid days in August. And all of a sudden, you would get these absolutely beautiful blue sky, white dotted. And uh, you went, you played. They surpassed the $800 million handle for the first time. Uh, just an, an amazing meet. How about Luis Sayez? Who, uh, for the first time in six years, it was not an Ortiz brother that took the top jock spot. So congratulations to Kieran McLaughlin, who went from top trainer to top uh, jock agent, and Louis Sayez getting him there and him getting Louie in the top spot. Of course, uh, Chad Brown came back after being threatened by Mike Maker for the leading trainer and got the top spot again. Of course, Steve Asmussen was very uh, prominent at the meet, uh, career leader by number of wins back on August 7th when he scored win number 9,466. So uh, it was uh, quite quite the season They're up there, and uh, all I can say is congratulations to Chad Brown and Luis Saez. It's a tough meet to come away the winner there. Now, despite the week that Joel Rosario got, it was Ricardo Santana that was voted jockey of the meet of course, he had three grade ones over Labor Day weekend. On Saturday, Asmussen, his go-to guy, uh, had him pilot Max Player, a race that we handicapped here on the show last week in the grade one Jockey Club Gold Cup. Yeah, that's right. They ran it at Saratoga this year. They used to be run at Belmont Park. And then in the grade one Spinaway, that was on Sunday, uh, Santana got the uh, leg up on Echo Zulu, who took that spot and um, on closing day, how about this? Another offspring of gun, of gun runner gun when the grade one hopeful. So uh, Ricardo Santana had an in the money percentage of 42 percent total purse earnings of one million three hundred twenty nine thousand dollars. Not a bad week at the races. Now, we're going to see this down the road in three or four years. Some news that was announced today is that the uh, thoroughbred foal crop uh, was down. And it's projected that they'll have 18,700. Some people are late in getting their full papers in. You got to go back to 1986 for the peak 51,000. Think of that from 51,000 foals to 18,000. Uh, it was the lowest figure since 1965. Uh, so again, these foals are going to be making it to the races in three years. And uh gonna. I think what we're going to have to do is adjust more race dates and just have a little less live racing at the tracks because if not, we're going to be betting those five-horse fields. Well, we did uh, talk about uh, Max Player, and uh, it, it was a really, really good race. Of course, they put up a million dollars in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, but uh, he stayed close to the pace today, of course, for Caro Santana. And uh, it was... Uh, really tough in the stretch where he got uh, challenged in the final 16th and kind of rebroke. I think uh, Santana gave him a little bit of a breather in there, but he got the job done over uh, the slightly favored happy saver, a horse that only lost once in its life. That was GD Horanos's pick, who ended up running in the second spot. And uh, the actual post-time favorite was Forza Oro, who finished Third, also up at Saratoga, we had the Prioress. This was for three-year-old Phillies. And boy, this one coming in from Louisiana. Not coming in from Louisiana, but the Louisiana bred a uh, daughter of California Chrome. Now, Chrome hasn't been killing them. Uh, as far as being a sire, so th- she probably is his best runner to date. Scylla was her name, a heady ride by Tyler Gaff-Leon, uh, was headed in the stretch run, but came back, uh three-year-old filly, making her 10th lifetime start. That was her fifth win, raced without Lasix. Now, she has run in Louisiana uh, races, uh, is two for a three in there. Uh, but, uh, she's been dancing with the, the big girls. Uh, she's raced at Delaware, Monmouth, Belmont. Um, so, uh, she might be Louisiana bred, but she can beat them in New York. Finishing second was super sensational. A horse, uh, who we said as, uh, despite the fact that she's three and had run it eight times, never ran in a six for a long race, had a brief lead, but again, had to give it up to Scylla. Then it was on to the Flower Bowl and uh, in here it was Warlike Goddess. Yes, she's the real deal. She now has seven lifetime starts, six wins, trained by Bill Mott. She's a daughter of English Channel, all to love the grass all day long. Julian Peru in the saddle for Billy Mott. We're going to hear about Warlike Goddess down the uh, Pike for sure, she is the real deal. And second was Great Island, a six-to-one shot trained by Chad Brown. And third, my sister Nat who comes from a fine turf family. Then uh, going out uh, west, uh, we can't ignore some of the races there. How about the Del Mar? Derby offered up a quarter million dollars, and it was Peter Miller trained none above the law at 10 to 1. Joe Bravo, you're going to get to see him perform at Kentucky Downs this week. He was in the saddle there. So Jersey Joe takes his show on the road and gets the quarter million dollar grade two Del Mar Derby. All right. Well, that's a look at the major races that we covered last week um, here on Winning Ponies. Going to take a quick break here, and when we come back. We're going to talk to Joe Clancy and see if, in fact, Tom Law was able to outrun that black bear up in the mountains of Vermont. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming
2: live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com busr brings you the best
0: options for triple crown season and now is the time to get in on the action bet on the kentucky derby with busr enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners Enter promo code Ponies P-O-N-I-E-S when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code ponies P-O-N-I-E-S at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Bet with confidence, bet with BUSR. You're tuned in to winning ponies with your host, John Inglehart, Racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart.
1: All right. Well, uh, they say it ain't over till it's over. And yes, it is over. The 2021 meet at Saratoga is over. And so is the publication of everybody's uh, favorite uh, uh, reading material up at the spa, the Saratoga special. And uh, with us, part of the trifecta that rounds out the uh uh, tom law sean and with us is joe clancy uh who said he was on the phone with tom earlier it started to break up something about being chased by a black bear up in vermont joe let me know if you get any late uh, calls in from tom but meanwhile thanks for joining us
3: (laughs) thanks for having me yeah i think tom will be able to outrun the bear most likely or or to trade him some snacks or some uh a beer uh, an ipa maybe to get him to go home but uh Uh, Yeah, Tom's enjoying a, a nice break after Saratoga up in the mountains of Vermont.
1: Well, you guys, it's well-deserved. I think people think I'm on your payroll as much as I talk about the Saratoga Special, but it is a (laughs) phenomenal job that you do to spin that publication out in about a 12-hour period after the races. The next morning, you've got people in golf carts delivering to the people on the backstretch and uh, Stewart's Creameries around town and bakeries and everything else you could talk about, and it's all fresh. And you know what I like about you guys is you don't just stick with the big stories you, you you find the little guy and uh you know I I thought that the story you guys did on um uh Caravelle and uh the the Merriman thing that that turned into a fantastic story Joe
3: yeah that was her. it seems like a long time ago early in the meet when she won yeah and I I've kind of followed that Philly because she had she's from the mid-atlantic where I'm based at Fair Hill and um, had won a little stake, and you know, I had written a thing for Mid Atlantic Serpent, I think about her um, last year when she won something at Presque Isle and she was she's the product of a free brood mare, and sort of an owner, trainer, breeder kind of thing. And then to have her win a, to win a graded stake at Saratoga like that, it just uh, and to tell that story to the Saratoga readers was was fun to do.
1: Now, now, I I just want to tell everybody, you know, you work with somebody long enough, you start to sound like them. This is not Tom Law we're talking to. This is Joe <laughs> Clancy. Uh, yeah, started his journalism career at the University of Delaware, uh, and and since then he's in he, he's involved in Steeplechase Times, the Mid Atlantic Thoroughbred. He's done work for the Daily Racing Forum, the Irish Field, and of course now we're talking about the wrap up, not only of uh, Saratoga itself but the Saratoga Special. I gotta guess you, your brother, and Tom take a big old sigh of relief on Labor Day.
3: Yeah, I mean, you—you you, uh, nobody likes to see Saratoga end because it's such a magical place for racing. I think that's the biggest thing. But uh, you know, for us, the grind of doing it, and, and this year we—this year's schedule was a little different coming out of the COVID situation that we had last year, where we didn't do the print publication at all. We did a few fewer issues this year. Mostly because we weren't sure what it was going to look like going in, but it's still a grind. I mean, it, face it, it's a lot of racing, a lot to cover. We pretty much do all our own work. I mean, we don't really, we don't, we, we don't rely on some of the content that the track press boxes and things pull out. So we're we're talking if it's in the paper, we talk to somebody about it. So uh, it's a ton of work, and yeah, to get home and sort of take a little bit of a, a, a sigh and breathe and go, whoa, we did it again. You know, is is nice, and, it, and it's it's kind of a it is a good break, and it's kind of nice all meet long to see the end. You know it's coming at some point, and you're you're sad to see it end. But on the other hand, you're you're happy to see it end, kind of to 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 take the take the pressure and the grind away.
1: Now, uh, you live in Fairhill, Maryland, right? Uh, with your wife yeah. Sam, your sons Ryan, Jack, and Nolan. Uh, so, do you get to go over to the Fairhill Trainers Training Center on a pretty regular basis during the season?
3: Yeah, if I uh, my my boss, who was me, would probably tell me to be over there more often and uh, cranking out stories or finding stories. But yes, uh, my, I have a little office kind of right across the street from there. And like everybody, I get I get stuck in the office too much. But yeah, I do get over there, and you know, it is fun to sort of see the horses train and the level of horses that are there, and um, just kind of enjoy the place. The best part of I do a fair amount of trail running through there, so one of the one of the most fun things is to be out on a trail run with my Labrador Retriever and come across somebody's racehorse set training in the field, sort of like we're doing, which is great. You know, so uh, it's a great place if you ever get a chance to come. It's a great place for horses and a really cool place to visit.
1: It's on my bucket list. So, folks, if if you think that uh, that Joe was taking riding lessons, uh, you, nah, baby, nah. Uh, his father was a trainer. <laughs> It was a trainer of uh, both flat and steeplechase horses. And I, I, I uh, do believe he was a jockey too. or uh, one uh, races up at Saratoga. Uh, Joe grew up on the farm in Delaware. And you know, what's interesting, he says it then moved to a farm within the grounds of Delaware park. And I'm scratching my head going, how does that work? How does a farm get within the grounds of a racetrack? Can you explain that to me? uh yeah the uh back then the delaware park and
3: it was owned by um by the ross family who was part of the dupont family and they owned the entire grounds which most of it's now a golf course that kind of surrounds the racetrack and um they built a bunch of other things around there with the casino that's come in but we were on a farm basically right within the grounds. we had a it was like a private uh racing stable that the ross family had and it went back to the Oh yeah, back to the 30s or 40s and we were there in the, um, late 70s, early 80s. Um, and basically if, if you've ever been to Delaware Park, there's a the kind of one main entrance you come in, you go past, uh, the back of that farm, they have a quarter mile indoor track, um, that that is still there. It's mostly part of the golf course now, but, um, um, we had a, we had a private indoor track, uh, 28 stall barn and then access to Delaware Park when it was open too. And, if you, the old timers will tell you, like, back in the 60s, that's where Greek money, who won the Preakness, uh, trained sort of, he spent the winter there on a, to get ready for the, to get ready for the Preakness.
1: That is awesome. Well, Joe, you know, I'm I'm sure if I sat down with you and and Sean, we'd probably get different answers to this question, Uh, although there will be some standouts. But, like, give me your top three takeaways from this summer meet at Saratoga.
3: Uh, Probably first and foremost is just being back there. I mean, from uh, not having gone at all last year myself and then seeing fans. You know who who were there again, and kind of the atmosphere of of racing fans being at a at a place like Saratoga, I and mean, that's what makes it. And the the trainers you talk to who talk about them, you know, just on a on a regular Thursday, there's you know fifteen thousand people in the stands. You know, and we just don't get that in America. You know, and then on the big Saturdays, the place feels feels sold out. You know, and I think that's the biggest the biggest thing for me. Then the number one story was fans back in Saratoga and kind of the reaction to that um steve Asmussen's summer has got to be right up there he broke the record for all-time training wins he had won five grade ones you know and just enjoyed himself it was amazing to watch his reaction again to the fans. you know the the guy must have signed uh, uh you know 100 autographs a day and taken 100 selfies with people because it was just he gets stopped everywhere he went and then uh to me the uh, it's probably one in one A or three and three x, whatever you want to call it, essential quality uh kind of asserting himself as the three leading three year old and Nick go sort of throwing himself in there as a leading older horse I mean they they were fun horses to watch uh, and they stepped up when they needed to you know we we always talk about the two year olds not kind of coming back and essential quality was a two year old champion and to see him come back and run as well as he has at three and to kind of you know put his flag in the ground hey i 'm the best three year old until somebody beats me. Uh, to see him do that in the Jim Danny and the Travers was pretty impressive.
1: I know. I I think everybody was expecting some kind of uh, shattering, authoritative victory, but you know, this horse just seems to know where the finish line is, and he gets the job done for Louis. whatever he's got to get done, unless it's the first Saturday in May.
3: (laughs) Exactly. To me, you don't want to hold a loss in a 20-horse field uh, against the horse for too long, and and I think I've talked to enough trainers. I think trainers like horses who do it that way. I mean, he, he's workmanlike, but he gets his job done and saves plenty for the next time. And I think that's, you know, hopefully what will allow him to have a longer career and, and, and to keep throwing that kind of, that, that big effort that he has. You know, who cares if he doesn't win by a lot or kind or of blow you away impressively. Uh, you know, I think the, you know, the fact that he keeps winning and and, and delivering when he needs to, Um you know, speaks for itself, and uh, you know the, the, that, that's a good thing for a horse. I think uh, when you talk to trainers, horses horses who are like that, he's obviously smart enough to know I got this. I, I got this guy next to me. You know, uh, if somebody else comes along, I got another. I got more whenever I need it. You know, so I think that's a luxury to have and a mark of a pretty good horse.
1: Yeah, and except for a trouble trip in the Kentucky Derby, that's exactly how he's gone about his business throughout his entire career. It'll fun to, be fun to watch as we enter into the final uh, races of his three year old season. Will he be back at four? I'm gonna guess no, but do I hope uh. yes? Yes, <laughs> I, I I, cert- I certainly do. Well, you know, uh, as I told you uh, uh, off air, I, I get the monthly uh, Mid Atlantic Thoroughbred, and I know that it's, it's. Uh, Got, got a, a nice uh, steeplechase flavor to it, something that I am not that familiar with or probably a lot of our listeners. The one thing I am familiar with, though, Joe, is when I was a young lad going up to Saratoga, I just remember I could always win the first half of the Daily Double because – it'd be a jump race and Jonathan Shepard would have a horse in there and it was kind of like <laughs> an automatic go-to. Uh, it, 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 do you recall those days where it was almost like autopilot for Jonathan Shepard and the jump races?
3: Yeah, I mean, he had deep stables and uh, going all the way back to when I was a kid and my my dad had horses, we were always trying to beat him. I felt, I felt like I spent my whole life trying to beat the guy and then, you know, finally got old enough to realize he's just very good at it and to appreciate it, you know, and um, it's a little strange not seeing his name in the program at the uh, anymore, but uh, yeah, I mean he his horses were very tough at Saratoga, and he actually, you know, crossed over enough later in his career into flat racing that he was the leading trainer at Saratoga a couple times, and it wasn't all jumpers, you know. So um, to, to see him in there with a kind of a mixed stable and doing as well as he did for so long was was a was a real treat and a kind of a testament to his horsemanship.
1: Now uh, I I know that your father rode i know your brother rode did you uh enter into the adventures in the saddle or did you outgrow it fast enough or just decide this is insane i am not doing this
3: uh uh, uh, probably all three uh i did i I did it i I did outgrow it pretty quickly i was uh you know six one almost six two in high school but i was light enough to ride i rode plenty of horses in the morning for my dad and um Rode a handful of races, sort of flat races at the steeplechase meets where you could be a little higher weight and that kind of thing. But, uh, no, did not, did not try to make it a profession by any means. Uh, it was, it was not going to be a career for me. That's for sure. Um, but, uh, lo- loved that part of it. I mean, when you were, when you were riding race horses at the racetrack was, was a pretty cool feeling no matter where you were. You know, you, you felt like a big shot even if you weren't. So, uh, lo- loved that in high school and high school and college doing enough, doing enough riding of race horses was really fun.
1: Well, I, I, you must you, you, Todd Marks must have a, a room in your basement or something because I I see that he goes with you to these different steeplechase meets, meets in the in the Mid Atlantic Thoroughbred. You you talk about the timber meets and thing like that. Now, I the only steeplechase races I've been to aside aside from the ones at Saratoga uh, was the, they were called the Rolling Rock races in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and it was just a marvelous uh- experience so what what i gotta do is i gotta reach out to you uh, like what what would be you know we got the triple crown what would be kind of the season if there is one for the best steeplechase racing
3: it's tricky and you gotta be somewhere geographically. i love that you pulled rolling rock out of out of the air that was a that was always a huge stop on the steeplechase circuit and they actually used to run Wednesday and Saturday of the same week, so uh, they would just move out there. They literally had a race meet on Wednesday, and they would come back. and Some horses would try to do both; they'd run on Wednesday and come back and run Saturday. And uh, weird trivia question: I rode in the last race Rolling Rock ever had in 1983. Did, nobody knew it at the time, but uh, they haven't had the races since then. And I finished third on horse for John and Shepard in a flat race on the, in the last race Rolling Rock ever
1: had. Wow! Um, yeah. But uh, that was a long that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, but I'm telling I'm telling mm. folks out there, I keep telling people what to do, I should shut up, but go to a steeplechase base because it's really like when you go to La Trobe, people always go, John, well, why do they call these Downs? Why Churchill Down? And I say, well, it's kind of a low-lying, flat, grassy area that's accessible from, you know, a city where you go almost through a woods or something, and all of a sudden, boom, it opens up and all of a sudden it's like, oh, look at that. And it's the area of the land that is down. And that is certainly the description of this track in La Trobe, PA, and I remember driving up there with my girlfriend's uncle that, that was connected somehow, and I'm telling you what, all right, you talk about tailgate parties, people are thinking about football games with ribs and stuff like that, I go down there, I don't know, I, I probably went in her uncle's car, um, but uh, it was like, uh it, shrimp cocktail oysters rockefeller we're not no turkey legs were at this thing i mean those people know how to tailgate (laughs) and if you were a jaguar people were looking down their nose at you i mean it was it was quite a an experience i must say but that they put a whole new uh t on the word tailgate in the in the steeplechase uh group
3: yeah, and there's there's a handful of places, Rolling Rock is no more, but there's a handful of places like that, you know, in the country, mostly East Coast. But uh, if you were trying to, you know, figure out places to go, there's a bunch in Virginia, um, spring and fall. They basically run um, March through the end of May in the spring, and then they come back and pick it up here another couple weeks in September and run through the week before Thanksgiving. And there's kind of a Steeplechase meet every weekend in there somewhere between um, – you know, they're in South Aiken, South Carolina, Camden, South Carolina. Uh, there's a, The biggest one of the year is coming up in October in Far Hills, New Jersey, and they really know how to tailgate, too. Uh, if you're anywhere near there, that's a can miss. Um, the spring biggest spring stop is probably Nashville, Tennessee, and it's the usually the week between um, the Derby and the Preakness. So uh, you get a fair amount of crossover. You'll see, you'll see some flat people show up there, too, just because it's convenient to Lexington and, and, and a great day, of right? racing.
1: Well, uh, I am definitely uh, g- going to make some of those meats. Uh, y- you guys make it so exciting. You know, e- even I'm now I'm, I'm segueing from the Saratoga Special in the Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred because so are you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, you've brought a lot of the flavor of the Special to the Mid-Atlantic, which is a good thing. And uh, But y- you're still able to dig up the stories. So there might even be more because people don't know as much about some of the steeplechase horses. And a lot of them, of course, are Reformed Thoroughbreds. So uh, it- it's right up your alley between your personal experience and uh, you know through your lineage with your father and your jump jackie brother uh, and the the fact that uh, some of those are ex-thoroughbreds that you see perform perhaps at Saratoga or some of the other venues in Maryland
3: yeah uh, that part and I have if they had a flaw it's probably they they don't tell that story enough sort of the it's not really marketing but to me it is to some degree where you need to tell those horses stories I mean we see it all the time. Just flat horses kind of uh, reach a limit to their ability, and then we see them kind of slide down the claiming ranks to where you're like, "Oh man, that horse is nine years old and he's still running for whatever." At, you know, at, at, at some track on the flat, he clearly isn't as good as he used to be. And horses that make the switch to steeple chasing, you know, they, they end up with a whole new life sometimes and find real success. Um the best steeple chaser out right now is this horse called Snap Decision, who was bred by the Phippses. Shug McGay had him, and he. He won two races on the flat, and he, you know, kind of ended up in the same kind of group of turf horses with bricks and mortar, you know, and he couldn't beat bricks and mortar because nobody could. And right. they sold him to Jack Fisher as a steeplechaser, and he has won nine. He's, he lost his first two, and then he's won nine in a row, you know, and, and he's he he is really productive. He's gone over half a half million in earnings, and he obviously has a great life. I mean, he lives on a farm. He races about five or six times a year, and... Man, he's just getting going at, uh, you know, a mile and a half, two miles. And, man, he, he's I, I'm like, bricks and mortar couldn't do that. You know, like, he's just better. That's, that's his thing. You know, he found his thing that he's good at and getting a chance.
1: It's fantastic. I tell you, I close my eyes. I swear to God, I'm talking to Tom Law. This is this is this is scary, (laughs) Joe. Yeah, uh, this is real scary. But anyhow, listen. If 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 he survives the black bear accident, uh, you just you tell him I said hi, and and tell him that from now on I'll be calling Joe Clancy instead of him. Anyhow, because you're a great guest. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Thanks for having me. I'll let him know for sure.
1: (laughs) All right. Joe Clancy from the Saratoga special and the mid Atlantic thoroughbred, uh, catching us up on, uh, you know, all things of Saratoga and new things that we're going to learn even more about down the road, about the uh, art and sport of steeplechase racing. Well, if we can shake Joe Christofik out of his hoity-toity dinner there with some partners in some of the horse business, we're going to get him, and we'll get him to step outside the, uh, the dining room for a minute, and he'll be back on, and we're going to be talking Kentucky Downs. And uh, I'm John Engelhart, and you are listening to Winning Ponies.
0: Winning Ponies with John Inglehart.
1: All right. And with me now, uh, a gentleman that's been on the show many, many times uh, throughout the many, many hats he wears in, in, in thoroughbred racing. And I, I'm getting him, uh, you know, taking a break from his dinner right now out of, uh, one of the entities of which Joe is a big part of, and that is coordinating partnerships through brilliant racing of which, I, you know, full disclosure, I am a member of a brilliant racing partnership. The cool thing is, is, uh, Joe puts together a new partnership every year and he walks you through it, holds your hand, uh, you know, so whether you think you know everything about racing or you're just like I did bring in some new people into the game, uh, they update you regularly on what's going on with your horse, every step of the way, the cost, why they came to the conclusion of why this horse is worth that. And then why this horse went to this trainer and they're all good trainers that brilliant uses and. And uh, now now he's uh, getting ready for a a race worth $600,000 with, yes, it's Ginger who races for Brilliant Racing, who will uh, go in the uh, Mint Lady Sprint down at Kentucky Downs. With no further ado with us right now, Joe Christofek. Joe, good luck on Saturday, my man. And with that glowing intro... I guess we lost Joe. Well, we'll continue to do that. In the meantime, I'm going to go on and continue talking about the Lady Sprint, the race that he's in. Yes, it's Ginger, uh, the brilliant racing horse, is uh, coming off a win in the Kentucky Downs uh, preview for the Lady Sprint at Ellis Park. You know, they hold uh, pretty much the majority of a day with all grass races that are used as springboards uh, to this. Of course, Kentucky Downs and Ellis Park have a great working relationship with one another, and they kind of uh, feed horses uh, to each other. And this is just a case of where it paid off uh, winning the Ellis Park-Kentucky Downs Preview Lady Sprint. And yes, it's ginger is in there, has now won two in a row. And Joe, I'm kind of painting the picture for everybody on yes, (laughs) it's Ginger.
4: Yeah, no, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, I was on the speaker phone in my car, and I guess that wasn't a good connection. So glad that I'm back on. Yeah, she's, uh, she's been great. She's won two stakes in a row. She earned her way into this race by winning the preview race at Ellis. We think the distance, six and a half furlongs, might be stretching uh, how far she wants to go, but uh, there's nowhere else for her to run. It's a grade three race. We've already got some black type. We'd love to get uh, grade three. Placing on her resume for her residual value as a broodmare moving forward. And, you know, we're just looking forward to having another good year with her next year. And uh, she couldn't be doing any better going into the race. So we're going to give it a shot. Kentucky Downs has been uh, pretty kind off the pace types during the first four days of the meet. They're going to move the rails in from 17 feet out to home base uh, at, at zero. So we'll have a couple of fresh pats of grass on the inside, which uh, hopefully we can get to the inside and potentially take advantage of that. But um, we're just proud to be in the race. We know we're, uh, you know, in against a lot of good, solid competition. And, you know, I'm, now I'm starting to sound like one of those people I interviewed, John, when I talked to them about their horses. So
1: <laughs> we, uh, we can I... mo- we can move it on from there. No ah, the worm turn. Now now here I've got a question okay cuz before we go I want to tell cuz I had a great partnership I brought in I brought in four buddies of mine to get involved in brilliant and I was explaining the kind of the steps you take everybody through from from the the reasons why you purchase horses off their pedigree and uh you know for the prices right uh, they weren't cheap but uh now with a case like it's yes it's Ginger she's a separate brilliant partnership you start new ones each year Correct me anywhere I'm wrong on this. Now, how would I, or how would somebody who's a partner re up? It's like, well, gee, I bought into Yes, it's Ginger two years ago, and now she's five. I mean, do you offer people to continue to buy back into the partnership the following year? Break that down for our listeners.
4: Yeah, this partnership has never ceased, it's been the original partnership with the original investment from the beginning. Um, when we bought these horses originally in 2018, this two-year-old's in training. So <laughs> the initial investment has got you all the way to this point. Um, we've had two uh, half-cash calls, I guess you, you could say, about 5% of the initial investment. But since that time, Ginger's won two stakes, and, you know, asking for it's still going strong. So our first partnership's still going strong. Second partnership uh, still has one horse in it. And then Brilliant Racing 3, the one that you're involved in, John, still has Busy Echo. We've got an unraced horse uh, by the name of his, Ernest, who uh, will be at Churchill Downs this fall. Hope to get him rolling. And Brilliant 4 is coming up, and we're going to buy yearlings next week. So they're all individual partnerships. We buy three partnerships or three horses for each partnership, and those partnerships don't run out until – you know, the horses get claimed away from us, the horses get, you know, have to be retired, et cetera, et cetera. So it's initially a one-year type situation, but as you know, John, obviously, and Brilliant, too, I mean, we're far beyond the first year already, and we've got plenty of money in the bank to move forward. So, um, yeah, just trying to do the best we can, win in as many races as we can, pick the best horses that we can, and let people be involved in the horse ownership game for you know a very uh, marginal price point
1: all right well you're valuable to us as a, the uh, uh for many years odds maker at uh at kentucky downs but before i get to there and i'm not going to charge you for advertisement but if, if we've tickled somebody's fancy here maybe thinking christmas gift or whatever for somebody how do they get a hold of you since you're getting ready to buy uh the yearlings all, already um or is it too late
4: No, I mean, the partnership's open until next week. You can find us at brillianthorseracing.com, and you can contact us through there. You can contact us on our Facebook page, which is simply Brilliant Racing. You can contact us on Twitter. Uh, There's a Brilliant Racing uh, Twitter account. You can contact us on Instagram. Um, You can contact me on my personal Facebook page, my personal Twitter. A lot of different ways to get a hold of us Uh, The Brilliant Racing webpage, though, com, probably the best way to do it. All the information that you need
1: about the partnership can be found there. All right. Well, I'll send you a bill in the mail for that advertising. But anyhow, (laughs) Joe, uh, moving on, let's take a look at these million-dollar races. Uh, Yeah, you, you... couldn't get more shorter, much shorter, or much longer. Got six furlongs is the, uh, the FanDuel Turf Sprint, and a mile and a half is the Calumet Turf Cup. Um, uh, which one would you like to discuss first? They're both interesting races.
4: Yeah, I'll talk about the sprint race first. Uh, very, very wide open race. I think the, uh, the, the Turf Cup might have a couple of more defined favorites. But uh, as far as the turf sprint goes, you know, a lot of familiar names to the uh, Kentucky circuit when it comes to these kinds of horses. Born great as a horse that actually ran ran and won two races here last year at Kentucky Downs. If you look on the form, John, he won on September 9th, and he came back and won a week later. I got him on Um, my long shot list. Yeah, he's been pointing for this race. I don't know why that speed figure came back so slow in the race at Alice, but he was visually impressive. And man, at 15 to one, I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to be my top pick yet, but at those potential odds and his running style and how much, you know, you got to look at these horses, John, that have proven themselves at Kentucky down. it just seemed to be such a big advantage. We saw snapper Sinclair win here on, uh, on Wednesday That horse has run amazingly four times at Kentucky Downs with three wins in a second. So if you believe in the horses for course angle, it doesn't get any stronger than it does at Kentucky Downs.
1: No, and I've described the course often on the show as far as it being kind of if you light a pair on its side and the fact that it goes downhill and that never ending stretch run that goes slightly uphill. But I, I think, you know, the storyline here, if you're doing a preview on this race is obviously the rematch in, of the four star Dave between got star stormy. And she's a great story in her own right. But like you said, Kentucky downs, the ladies sprint, she won it, uh, back in, um, uh, September 12th. 1920 and that was such a fantastic win up at Saratoga but Casa Creed's not getting scared away so obviously the storyline's going to go to those two now I have another horse in here I did have Born Great listed as a long shot the other horse I find kind of interesting is Diamond Oops uh, breaking from the one hole this horse can win turf or dirt uh, though it hasn't proven itself at Kentucky Downs yet. a very interesting gelding I must say
4: yeah, and I think he's the only millionaire in the, besides, besides got stormy, of course, who's earned over two million. He's earned a million dollars already. He has five wins on the dirt faster, two wins on the slop and one win on the turf. And the win on the turf, if you get a chance to watch the replay was last September at Churchill. And man, it was amazing. He broke dead last, had to rally through traffic on the rail, was a great ride by Florent Giroux and an amazing performance. And he's the kind of horse, John, that, you know, should relish that long stretch at Kentucky Downs. He's never run here, but the pace should be honest. Closers have been doing well. And that elongated six-furlong distance uh, with that long stretch, I think, should work in his favor. So we're kind of thinking the same way as far as the long shots go. Those are two of the long shots I'd be considering, Born Great and also Diamond Oops.
1: All right. Well, we can talk about each race for 20 minutes. Don't have that time. And I, I know that uh, yeah, you got to get back to your dinner. It's probably getting cold. But the, the Calumet Turf uh, Cup, uh, I kind of like the maker the maker horse in here. What? The maker horse? There's five of them. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's kind of got this, the uh, deck stacked in here. Though uh, uh, Brad Cox comes back with our club. Now, my PPs don't go back far enough, but uh, this horse to the best of my recollection has already won this race twice and finished second in it another year.
4: Yeah, another horse that's uh, proven over the turf course at Kentucky Downs. And I remember when he won the race last year, Brad Cox actually put the blinkers on him. And I was a little bit skeptical. I'm like, this seems like a desperation move because a couple of races prior to that in the Elkhorn and the United Nations were not good. Brad put the blinkers on. It was kind of a soft turf that day, and Arclo ran tremendous. He was almost 6-1, to one, and he's won twice since. He won the Hollywood Turf Cup at Del Mar, and then he came back and won the Louisville at Churchill Downs. Has fallen a little bit short in his last couple of races, but again, horse for the course, and uh, you got to consider him armed and dangerous in this race.
1: Well, you know, what we get to see in these longer races is uh... – older horses getting the chance to, to do, to do their dance. And it's so neat to see these six and seven year olds that, that are still showing success at the racetrack. Um, I know Zula Alpha is the horse that won it. Uh, now that I look at the PPs back in 2019, uh, just besting our Clo. Uh, I just got a feeling maybe at eight Zulu Alpha might be getting a little bit long in the tooth. Hasn't done much this year.
4: He was third in this race last year behind Arklo as the four to five favorite, but
1: those two races this year, John, I agree with you.
4: Uh, not good. You know, the Arlington, uh, former Arlington handicap, uh, the Arlington on July 17th, followed by the Mr. D. I mean, he was never a factor in either of those races. And I know that Michael Hui, uh, you know, great guy. I mean, he, he claimed this horse and, you know, they wanted to get him back to Kentucky down. So they're going to give him one more chance in this race. He's six to one in the morning line. If you'd like to back him at six to one, you can come to my window because he's, <laughs> he's up, he's up against it in this race. He would need a miraculous turnaround to be a factor.
1: Well, Joe, the Calumet turf club, a uh, cup, where, where's your money going? If anywhere. Yeah. I mean,
4: it's tough to go against Arklow with that horse, for, horse for course angle, Again, but fifteen to one on Imperador would gladly take it. He was six behind Arklo in the Louisville at uh, Churchill back in mid-May. He got kind of a pocket trip that day, kind of pressed into a, a fast pace for a mile and a half that particular day. And you know that was just the second race of the year. He ran huge in the United Nations. He was second best at twenty-three to one. Certainly doesn't look like a horse that's going to shy away from distance. It looks like a horse that might be on the improve a little bit. So for me, the uh, the exact is going to be Arclo and Imperador.
1: I love it. I love you. Holding your feet to the fire. Another thing that I pointed out at the top of the show, Joe, is now that eyes are off Saratoga, we're, we're getting to see a, a lot of jocks at Kentucky Downs this weekend that don't normally ride there. Although I would say if you're stuck on any race, when in doubt, at this point in time, just bet Joel Rosario.
4: Yeah, he had two more wins today and he broke the all-time record for wins at a single Kentucky Downs meet with his 13th today and we still got we still got two more full cards to go. So he you know, he's a great rider to begin with and he just fits this turf course extremely well with his patient riding style but his ability to get aggressive when when need be. And, you know, he's riding lights out, he suits the Kentucky Downs turf course really well, and he's getting live mounts. So that's uh, that pretty much uh, sums it up as to why he has 13 wins and already has broken the record with two days still to go.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see if Joe Bravo is successful with any of his mounts. Uh, certainly, uh, you, you know, he's uh, uh, let people know that you might call me Jersey Joe, but I can ride stakes races anywhere because he's been killing them on the West Coast. It'll be interesting.
4: One of the best turf riders in the country. One of the best turf riders in, in my lifetime, I think, uh, overall, for his overall body of work. And, you know, he's he's a smart rider. He communicates well with the horses. Uh, you mentioned doesn't really matter, although he made his name in New Jersey, what venue he goes to. I mean, he rode, you know, really well at fairgrounds when he was there a couple of different times that he came to ride for, a, for Mike Stidham on a regular basis. And uh, I agree with you, even though he hasn't been there this meet, he's the kind of guy that can just uh, jump right up into the saddle and do some damage.
1: Well, he may just do that. Um, Only got about two minutes left. Joe, don't need to keep you the whole time, but uh, this uh, Kentucky Downs ladies' turf – Boy, Princess Grace has really uh, blossomed into quite the four-year-old for trainer Mike Stidham. I see that he's already had one starter at the meet, and that was a winner. Uh, she goes the favorite uh, with Flo Jarreau in the saddle. She's only been beaten once in her life, and that's when she was asked to go a little bit longer at a mile and a 16th.
4: Yeah, she's been sharp. She's got that stocking-type uh, style. That you know will put her in the right position throughout. Um, you know she's she's the horse to beat. Uh, you look around and try to find a viable alternative. Uh, Joe Sharp has been really good at the meet. He won three races on opening day. Summer in Saratoga is a little bit intriguing to me. Um, she's run well at, at Kentucky Downs with two starts, a win and a third on the resume. So you like that horse for course angle. And then she's on the warpath who's never run a Kentucky Downs for the boss, Steve Margolis. And she's just a warrior. She's eight for 19 lifetime. She won the preview mile at uh, Ellis in her last start. You know, she's won two races this year as a five-year-old mare. And she just always seems to find a way to get it done. And when she falls short, it's not her fault. It's circumstantial. So those would be the two I'd look at it at a price. Uh, Summer in Saratoga, and she's on the warpath. But there's no question, and you said at Princess Grace, uh, she's been special, and uh, she's got a nose for the finish line, too. So the one to beat, admittedly, but uh, the two that I mentioned are the two that I'm probably going to try to beat her with.
1: All right, Joe Krzysztof, thanks a lot. Get back to your beer before it gets too warm. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies, my friend. All right, John, always a pleasure. You guys enjoy the races. Best of luck.
4: And, uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you down the road, whether it's during the Churchill meet or uh, this upcoming fairgrounds meet.
1: All right. That was Joe Christofek. The other Joe on the show, Joe Clancy. Let's hope that that black bear didn't get to Tom Law. And I want to thank you all for listening. Remember, great racing at Kentucky Downs. Pull down the winning ponies. Easy win forms. They're going to help you get some winners. I'm John Engelhart. Come back next week. We look forward to you listening.